Hello and welcome again to the famous CFC podcast where each episode offers a deep dive into the wonderful history of Chelsea Football Club. My name's Gary Barone and I'm joined as usual by club historian and all-round good guy, Rick Glanville. Hi, Rick. Oh, that's nice of you, mate. How are you? That, that was that was ad lib. <laughs> I'm very well, thanks. <laughs> now, Rick, it is a vital part of the iconography and heritage of the club and frequently stands as a graphic shorthand for it. We wear it with pride, players give everything for it and even kiss it, sometimes mm. with sincerity. <laughs> So in this episode, we're giving a definitive history of the Chelsea badge and decoding its meaning. Now, Rick, you tell us why you're so keen to do this. (laughs) Well, as you say, it's something very dear to my heart. And in fact, um, I had a message recently from the the new board that they wanted clarification on the badge timeline, as it seems there's a lot of misinformation out there, very confusing. And especially a load of guff swimming in the digital plankton of social media, like so many overflows from our water companies. Um, And it's important to counter that, really, and tell the story properly. Well, quite right, too. Yeah, we don't know everything, but I'm going to do my best. Well, fair enough, Rick. And to avoid raising your blood pressure, I'm going to make sure never to call it a crest. (laughs) Oh, spot on. And phew, because it's something I rail constantly against. Whenever I get something from the club saying, we're looking at using this or something on the crest, I was first thing I always say is, it's a badge, not a crest. Um, a crest is actually a heraldic device that sits on top of a coat of arms, like a deer's head or a, uh, a armour helmet or something like that. Um, but what players and fans wear on their chest is a badge or a logo, not a crest. So let's let the crest be fallen. Let's never use that. So, Gary, let's enter the famous CFC time tunnel. Ooh. Ooh. Go back in time and look at the first use of any badge in association with Chelsea Football Club. And in 1905, to mark the club's first season, Directors were presented with small medallions manufactured by the famous Fatterini Company, an Italian uh, descent family based in Bolton, made all the, the FA Cup, the League Cup, all these big sports trophies. And they also made these medallions for the new club, Chelsea Football Club, which were, quite simply, and probably for want of a better idea, uh, simply a reproduction of the coat of arms of the Metropolitan Borough of Chelsea. So a borough of London called Chelsea. Um, but this coat of arms, the, we had no right to the use of those coat of, the coat of arms because, as I always point out, uh, Chelsea Football Club is based in Fulham, not Chelsea. So we should have used the Metropolitan Borough of Fulham <laughs> coat of arms, but we didn't. And the Fatterinis manufactured these medallions. And so that's what we first used as a football club. Okay, that, that, that's fascinating. But how do you find out about the coat of arms medallions? Did they appear in the programme or something? But no, they didn't. There's no sort of paper record that we know of. As I always say, that we don't have the uh, the board minutes, which would probably give, shine some light on that. They were stolen in the late 80s, and we're desperately trying to get them back. Um, no, the only reason we know this is because the Chelsea FC Museum has acquired several of these 
beautiful examples of these medallions. And they're uh, on show at the Chelsea Football Club Museum at Stamford Bridge, which everyone should visit when they're in London. Absolutely. But for, for all those people listening that maybe haven't had the chance to do that yet and to see the museum, could, could you tell us uh, what they look like? Certainly. They're, they are small metal shields, so shield shape. Um, whose design is split into four parts, really, by a, a cross in the middle. And so this cross is accompanied by four silver or gold animals, sim- symbolic animals. These are from, uh, I'll give them in order. So top left is a winged bull, and that's a symbol of St Luke, to whom the parish church in Chelsea is dedicated, St Luke's Chelsea, very famous church. Bottom left, two boars separated by a sword, which is taken from the coat of arms of the Sloan family. Now, this is a family who married into the Cadogans, and if that name Cadogan rings a bell, Cadogan Estate, Cadogan Square, all these sorts of things, they are major landowners and um, lords of the manor of Chelsea, so that's their significance in the co- this borough coat of arms. And then finally, bottom right is a stag's head from the Stanley family, which is basically another uh, more ancestors of the Cadogans. Um, most importantly, top right, a lion representing Lord Cadogan, who was, by the way, of course, the president of Chelsea Football Club in 1905. So that's where our legitimacy to use this coat of arms comes from. The lion that I just mentioned, uh, described in heraldic terms as rampant regardant, which means on its hind legs and looking over its shoulder, Uh, Chelsea fans looking over their shoulders, eh? That's nothing new. Um, This is hugely important, uh, as is another device emblazoned on the cross in the middle. So you've got the cross, then on top of that is imposed the crozier, or staff, of the Abbot of Westminster. Abbot of Westminster, are he, you say? What's he doing in West London? Well, famously, we're only about three miles from Westminster, but... The Abbot of Westminster had dominion over Chelsea Village, uh, not the Ken Bates Chelsea Village, the original village that was Chelsea, in medieval times. So if you wonder why the 2017 new stadium designs had echoes of the Palace of Westminster, well, there's your reference. It's the Abbot of Westminster whose staff appears on our badge. Brilliant. Well, you can see the rampant line and crozier in today's badge. But you say it was used back in 1905? Yeah, uh, briefly, right? And as I said, as part of the borough of uh, Chelsea Arms. But yes, uh, that is true. It was used in 1905. And the next medallions that we have at the museum show uh, one more use of the borough coat of arms. Uh, These were medallions presented to uh, players in 1907, when they achieved the first promotion from Football League Division One to sorry, from Football League Division Two to Division One, uh, and again in 1912 when they were promoted again. Now the first medallions, the 1907 ones, used the coat of arms of Chelsea. In 1912, um, they summoned what is a, a a one-off cipher. Okay. Not a monogram, by the way, a cipher of the letters CFC. So those medallions had CFC in a cipher and those were presented to the players. Now, Rick, that's really interesting 
But I'm going to ask you, what is the difference between a cipher and a monogram? I stress to I'd say this is a, I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> I was going to say, you, you, of course, know the answer to this. I don't know of why course. you're asking me. Um, but it is a good question because they both use a compact design based on initial letters, sort of superimposed or arranged close to each other. In our case, of course, CFC, the famous CFC. Um, a monogram is when the initials seamlessly interconnect, uh, a bit like sort of branches on a tree. So they're all part, they all interconnect with each other, but uh, they're not separated. Like the FFC on Fulham's badge, that's a, a monogram. While a cipher uh, is where each letter might overlap, uh, it might look like it's, uh, it's imposed on the other, but actually, if you look at the drawing, they're intrinsically independent of each other. So that's a cipher. Right. Don't say we'd never teach you things on this pod, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Every day's a school day, Rick. Every day's a school day. <laughs> now, I've seen a lot of websites or memes showing our first badge was the Chelsea pensioner's head, but I've come to understand that's probably not true. Is that right? Uh, well, almost entirely a fallacy. I say almost... Because we sort of have to separate, and it's not always clear, what was used by the club in an informal capacity and what was used in an official capacity. So, as we know, as early as September 1905, the pensioner nickname was being applied to the club and a cartoon strip depicting a Chelsea pensioner, eventually called Percy, yes, he even had a name, appeared uh, on the front cover of the the Chelsea match day program for several decades, uh, right up to the 19 start of the 1950s. And in the 1940s, the pensioner's head was even part of the program's title heading or the masthead of it. So that's kind of semi official, um, but not in terms of the players. There was nothing connecting the, the players to that. Interestingly, though, uh, the pensioner's head was used in a very formal capacity, really, once that we know of. When we played a friendly against uh, Internazionale of Milan at the San Siro in uh, 1950, we exchanged penance, as was the tradition and still is, before kickoff. And Chelsea's penance, uh, a game which we have in the museum, was embroidered with the club's name, details of the occasion, so the match, the opponents, and everything like that, and a very large reproduction of the pensioner's head from the programme. Now, you, you can ask, why did we have the pennant? Did Inter not want it? <laughs> it <laughs> rude of them to give it back to us. <laughs> but there, formal setting for the pensioner's head, but not really a kind of, you know, not not proper, I would say. No, but that, this was only two years before Ted Drake dumped, dumped the nickname in 1952, True. yet Percy was playing his biggest part ever for the club. Yeah, kind of. I would still say it's ceremonial rather than official. Uh, and there's there's actually evidence that uh, in a blazer badge that the CFC, the cipher design, was used on, uh, uh, patched onto suit jackets that the players wore as late as the 1940s. Okay, then. So we've time-travelled uh, up to 1952 now from 1905, and the pensioner logo is retired. So what yep. happened next? Well, uh, Ted Drake and the board, we're not sure who made these decisions, but uh, they looked back for reference to the old uh, Metropolitan coat of arms uh, used in a very 
early days, but slightly Chelsea-fied. So um, the words Chelsea Football Club are so so that borough of Chelsea coat of arms. They took from that the uh, the lion and the crozier, and in the scroll of the original, uh, they 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 added footballs and Tudor roses to the top of it. So and also it was round rather than a shield. Uh, as used in those 1900s uh, medallions. So it's a roundel shape rather than a shield. Okay, footballs, yes, I get it. But there must be a story behind Tudor Roses, surely. Yeah, yeah, indeed, there is. Think about the timing of this. So this was coming in in the early 50s. And um, just a bit of background of what a Tudor Rose is, if anyone's wondering on this. The Tudor Rose was an invention uh after the War of the Roses in England. Now, briefly, uh, the red rose represented the House of Lancaster and a white one represented York. And after King Henry VII uh, won at the Battle of Bosworth, in order to sort of unite England in one flower, he combined the red and the white rose to form the Tudor rose. And, of course, his his name was Henry Tudor. Uh, So... As far as we're concerned, the, and the area of where Chelsea is based, apart from the many strong Tudor history connections in the locality, and there are many, um, Chelsea's original youth scheme had been launched a few years before the badge. So that started in 1947-48. And Chelsea Juniors was run in conjunction with a youth club on Harrow Road called, you guessed it, Tudor Rose. Mm. Um so the club sponsored Tudor Rose and took on its most promising players, aged 15 to 17 and a half as apprentices. These are future pros, of course. And I think it's a mark of the junior scheme's importance to the club at that time that the badge that they chose, designed, features those Tudor Roses. Well, that's brilliant, really, isn't it? So the Tudor Rose on the badge puts our academy heritage right at the heart of the club. That is fantastic. We'll be back with more Chelsea badge disclosures after this break. Bet you didn't see this coming. Hope you're ready to hear editor Jake's voice for a while in the ads. <laughs> this time we're coming with Shady Rays. Kick off the new year with new gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and more. Shady Rays is a world-class sunglasses company, independently built, that'll have you thinking you're wearing some of the world's top brands that you already know with durable frames and extremely clear optics. Not only clear optics, but clear ethics as well, having donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. Something that we have done at London's Blue Podcast. So, and if you're worried you won't like your pair, they will exchange it. They'll give you a new pair or you can return them for free within 30 days. And if you're worried you might break them, Thanks to Lost and Broken Replacements, you can get a replacement pair, no questions asked, anytime. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out the best deal of the new year. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code LONDONISBLUE, all one word, all caps, for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's right, LONDONISBLUE, all caps, spelled just like the podcast, you know, the podcast you're listening to right now, you can see it in the title. All caps, one word, 50% off, two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try it out for yourself. The shade's rated five stars by over 200,000 people. 
So, Rick, we have this lovely, fascinating early 50s badge, but they didn't put it on the players' shirts. <laughs> well, it was embroidered on the players' official suit jackets, but our team didn't take to the field with anything on their chests right up until 1960-61. Uh, and that wonderful, elaborate design uh, that we cherish was only kept until 1963, by which time... Ted Drake had made way for the arch-modernising coach, Tommy Doherty, who loved fashion. He was very interested in the sort of the livery of football clubs. Uh, You know, he changed us to all blue because he wanted us to be the equivalent in blue of Real Madrid in white. Uh, So he cared about things like that, the the details, you know. Um, So uh, under Doherty, a badge was Absent from chests again in 1963-64. And then a very different logo, harking back actually to the 1907 cipher, uh, just the letters CFC, uh, was put on the shirts. But quite stylishly, I think, descending, if you imagine it, descending left to right, CFC going downwards, rather than superimposed as... uh, uh, as previously, and that was used from 1963 up to 1967. Yeah, I love those shirts with that CFC on. Beautiful. Now, now we're coming to a favourite, the rampant lion with the crozier. Ah, yes. So for the next two decades after 67, the club used a stripped-down version of that 1952 badge. As you say, everything was removed except the lion and its staff. I mean, utterly beautiful in its simplicity, this badge. Um, and that, I think, is is still the one that is favoured by most uh, older uh, Chelsea supporters, and especially because uh, in 1970-71, that season, after we'd won the FA Cup for the first time, an embroidered image of the trophy was added alongside to celebrate yeah. our win. And if you remember, like the year after that, because we'd won the Cup Winners' Cup 2, they added a star either side. So the FA Cup and the Cup Winners' Cup were commemorated in that wonderful badge. It was brilliant, absolutely. Now, during the 70s, clubs started to do a bit of bold experimentation with their badges. What I hated, of course, though, was the dirty leads and their smiley badge. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it, I mean, it, I think that's become quite iconic amongst Dirty Leeds fans. Oh, I bet. Uh, understandably. <laughs> I mean, it was part of that sort of summer of love <laughs> reference, really, wasn't it? Uh, bubble design and everything. But uh, again, it was a simpler implementation. And like Chelsea's, I think it probably had to do with reducing manufacturing costs because uh, in the 1960s, uh, the sudden interest in buying replica kits that hadn't really existed before, boomed into a thriving industry. And, um, I mean, prior to the 1970s, the the sort of innovation of off-the-peg facsimile kits, like people wear to games today and that you can buy everywhere, uh, that didn't exist. If you remember, in the 60s, you'd have to visit a specialist sports outlet, such as um, ex-player, ex-Chelsea player Frank Bunstone's shop, uh, on Lavender Hill at Clapham Junction. And you'd buy uh, like a, a plain generic colour jersey. So, for example, royal blue 
would suffice for Everton and Leicester fans and Birmingham and other clubs that played in that colour. And then you'd get it home or you'd buy the other stuff to individualise it, such as your club's badge that you'd have to buy separately. And then you'd go home and you'd have to sew it, sew the badge on or iron it on if you got that webbing that uh, allowed you to uh, heat press uh, badges and things like that onto the plain jersey. That's how you made it a Chelsea kit. But, um, I mean, and back then, this kind of behaviour, replicas, were strictly a young person's thing, like a pocket money purchase, an impulse buy. So pricing was very important and simpler designs were basically just cheaper to produce. Yeah, I remember getting the Christmas present. I think I was probably nine Mm. And I wanted a Chelsea shirt. And so I assumed it would be a proper Chelsea shirt, probably mm-hmm. from Frank Blundstone's shop, as you say, in Clapham Junction, uh, that I could sew a badge on with pride. But I got a shirt with white collar and cuffs. Um, <laughs> it was just entirely wrong. And whenever I wore it, because it was the only blue football shirt I had, so I wore it whenever I went out playing football with my mates. And everyone said, that's not a Chelsea shirt. <laughs> and I knew it wasn't a Chelsea shirt. I must have been incredibly ungrateful to my poor parents who <laughs> thought they'd done a great thing, but I never liked it, but I never had anything else. So no, exactly. put up or shut up. You really had to, you basically got, you. it was a kit. You had to assemble it, didn't you? I mean, who bought that for you? Do you know? Do you know was who? my mum and dad. Right, okay. Because, I mean, people who were unaware of the details of football could really be hoodwinked in some mm. sports shops. Like my mum... I remember uh, went to buy uh, a Chelsea kit for my older brother, Gary, also Gary, um, for his Christmas present. But she was conned into buying a royal blue shirt and white shorts, uh, which was, of course, Everton or Leicester, you know. Um, And she presented it to him and he burst into tears. He was really upset. My poor mum, crestfallen. She didn't realise that Chelsea had stopped wearing white shorts, you know, a few years earlier. But. I blame the person in the sports shop. They should know that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and they, they shouldn't have done that to her. When, when you say she was crestfallen, you don't mean badge fallen. No. I've used crestfallen okay. too much, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we still had those two stars next to badge well into the 80s. We did, yeah. But it reminds me, though, why don't we have them on a current shirt to signify the twin Champions League wins? Well, it's a great question. And it, it really seems to be because the Premier League, doesn't like clubs messing with badges. Uh, They really don't. And uh, there's only one club in the current crop in the Premier League with a star on their badge. Do you know who? If I had to guess, I'd say it's possibly Yo Villa. Yes. (laughs) And the star, because? They won the European Cup. Have you won the European Cup? Exactly, (laughs) and all that. Um, now, interestingly, there's a trend among European leagues towards awarding badge stars to clubs who've won their domestic title five or ten times. And in fact, it's a worldwide thing. I think Boca Juniors a bit of something like, I think it's Boca Juniors, a few years ago had something like 52 stars yeah. <laughs> on their badge. They had to remove part of their badge to fit in the stars. So it can become a bit weird. And I'm not sure I agree with this sort of mandatory, you know, awarding a badge for titles one. It seems a bit elitist to me. Yeah. We'll be back with more Chelsea badge disclosures after this break. Anyway, back to history. 
And most of us remember Ken Bates changing the logo in 1986, and that wasn't his most popular move by any oh. count, was it? <laughs> Goodness, no, it really wasn't. Uh, the story was put out that there were copyright problems in the old uh, design to do with the Cadogans and all this sort of stuff. And if you remember, this was where the Chelsea collection, our own in-house kit, mm-hmm. really badly, <laughs> really badly made, <laughs> awful colours, etc. Some of them were all right, but um, but the reason the reason they wanted to copyright it was so they could prevent or they could challenge people who was uh, flogging unofficial scarves, hats, and any old tat uh, sold on match days along the Fulham Road, they could actually challenge them, take them to courts on copyright grounds. So they needed a, something that they could copyright, and that's why they came up with the uh, this new solution, which was a drastic one. I mean, I've never seen a designer or company own up to creating it, but for... The 1986-87 season, Chelsea introduced what I would, I can only describe as a blurred, badly drawn line, not rampant, but lounging, with uh, one outstretched paw that looked either bandaged or wearing a sock. I mean, it's absolute monstrosity. Uh, And not least because the line was sort of uh, accompanied by the CFC in the most ugly default fonts. It really was a travesty. You know what, Rick? I look back at that period with a bit of pride and and, and the, the awful badge really shows how far we've come. And the, the, the club was, was chaotic. It yeah. was run on a shoestring with crazy decisions being made because there were no great brains there to, to actually think things out and work things out properly. And I sort of, um, yeah, I look back at that, and it was ugly. It was hideous. Um, and it was also making us a laughing stock amongst other fans. But where we are now, I look back and think, yeah, it's a measure of how far we've come. I'm glad we've got through it, yes. <laughs> yeah. and, well, it did persist for nearly two decades. <laughs> With several variations from 95 to 97, I think the CFC was in yellow or gold. And the badly drawn line was white. Then from 97 right up to 2005, the club initials were white and the yellow uh, gold was in the lion. Um, The thing is, the issue of that badge and its unpopularity was still a really burning one in 2003 when Roman Abramovich bought the club. And in my first ever meeting with uh, Peter Kenyon, who just become the chief executive. He was just asking me about the culture of the club, heritage, history, uh, things that could be done to improve matters. And I brought up how uh, deeply disliked the 86 badge was. And before I could go any further, he held his hand up and said, yep, yep, yep. He said, "Uh, that's the first issue every fan mentions. Bring back the old badge. We're on the case and can you help us? out on a new one. That must have been music to your ears, wasn't it, Rick? Oh, absolutely. And don't forget, we're sort of um, in the digital digital age now. So um, lots of other clubs had redrawn their badges around that time to meet the technical challenges and opportunities of the digital and internet age. I mean, pixelation was not an issue back in 1952. 
Uh, but of course it was in 2005. So in Chelsea's modern conversion of the old 1950s badge, the scroll surrounding the old badge was lost in favour of a simple band, which I think was a bit sad, but I can understand it. And one or two other concessions were made. The balls were moved to the side, taken from the top and moved to the side. Uh, but it remained uh, fundamentally true to the blazer badge from the 1950s, just made fit for the 21st century. So there we are. The lion is rampant again and all is well. And let's hope we can put a case fairly soon for having three stars on the badge, eh? <laughs> I definitely back that. Absolutely. Now, you've been listening to the famous CFC podcast with me, Gary Barone, and him, Rick Lanville. If you like the show, please subscribe and spread the word. We'll be back next week. And in the meantime, come, come on, on, you blues. blues.